Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Technician Academy's podcast. This episode is powered by Premium Guard Filters. Check out their first-to-market coverage of air filters, cabin air filters, oil filters, and more by visiting their website at pgfilters.com. Every other week, our host and ASE Master Technician, Richard Young, gives you a behind-the-scenes glimpse of the automotive industry. Richard invites prevalent industry thought leaders and the thought leaders of tomorrow to share their industry knowledge and explain how the technicians of both today and tomorrow are being impacted. In this episode, you'll hear from three Parkland College instructors as they discuss the college's automotive programs, as well as the two Hot Riders of Tomorrow teams that are associated with the institution. The three guests are John Ross, the Director of Automotive Technology, Adam Karch, a full-time instructor at Parkland, and David Cherney, who's also an instructor at Parkland. John, Adam, David, and our host talk about the benefits of introducing sabbaticals and also what value a trained technician brings to the industry that's increasingly needing more talent. We're so glad that you're tuning in with us today, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to our channel and rate us on iTunes. So if there's someone you would like to hear from, or if you want to join in on the discussion yourself, feel free to contact us via email, phone, or even our social media pages. Again, thank you for tuning in. Here's your host. Welcome to today's Technician Academy podcast. We're fortunate enough to have three individuals with us today from Parkland College up in Champaign, Illinois, in the automotive program. Uh, We've got John Ross, Director of Automotive Technology, Adam Karch, full-time instructor, and Dave Cherney, instructor. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. So, Technician Academy was fortunate enough to be up at your facility and presented some DSO training to your students. And, and I want to commend you all uh, on, the, on the facility and, and the cleanliness and, and then the students' knowledge and ability. So, thank you for allowing us to be there. Thank you for coming to see us. So, gentlemen, if you could just give our listeners a, a brief explanation of your, your position there at Parkland and how long you've been in the industry. Okay. Well, so John Ross, um, I have been at Parkland College uh, for, I think this is my 21st year. Um, my background is uh, a little bit varied. Um, spent some time as a technician. Um, I'm a graduate of the automotive program here at Parkland College, graduate of SIU Carbondale. Um, spent some time out in industry working for General Motors and Cummins Engine Company, uh, and then had the opportunity to come back here to Parkland. So, that's uh, that's my background. Uh, Adam Karch, um, I've been here at Parkland as a full-time instructor since uh, 2013. Uh, I taught about four years part-time prior to that, and then uh, before that about six years as a technician in the independent shop. Uh, Dave Charney, I've worked for General Motors as a line technician for probably 16 years. I've been in the industry for 17 now. I taught at Parkland College as a part-time instructor for six years, um, and also working with students in the High Riders Tomorrow Engine Challenge. Great. And, and Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but you also are an instructor for some high school students? Right. Uh, I instruct the dual credit students at Parkland College, and I also am a full-time uh, faculty member at Urbana High School and teach 
automotive in the career and technical education department. All right, great. Well, like I said, I, I thank you for being on the podcast, and, and I'm excited to hear your insights, all of your insights, how we bring up the next technician. So a brief history on the program there. I, I think 2018 was the 50th year of the program. Is that correct, gentlemen? Yeah, we've just uh, gone through our 50th anniversary, and, and, and automotive technology has been a part of the college uh, since the beginning. Um, a number of years ago, I was going through some archives in, in the library and, and found pictures that, uh, that the school started in some um, buildings downtown uh, in 1968, and um, actually found some pictures of where they were working on uh, equipment in the basement of this building. Uh, there was a tractor and a car and other things. And so um, about 1975, then the, the current campus that we're on, uh, again, they invested um, you know, resources and space to automotive uh, training. Uh, and then uh, as the building that you saw the, the other day, um, we, we've been here about four years uh, in, in our new space. So um, clearly Parkland College is committed to not only the automotive industry, but career and tech ed um, for, for our district. So. Yeah, and I've been to several uh, community colleges over the years and different automotive programs. And, and I would have to say, if I had to explain, uh, just walking into Parkland's facility, it was amazing. It's above and beyond a lot of programs. Uh, not to say that they're any better or any worse, but I truly believe that just walking in and, and seeing the students and, and uh, talking with a few of the students that, you know, you're, you guys are creating a professional technician when they leave that facility. How many students do you have currently enrolled in the automotive program? Well, um, I guess it depends on how you count and when you count. <laughs> um, so we've got several different things that go on. And so um, the, the common thread that the three of us have at the table today uh, is our dual credit program or um, what is called the Early Career and College Academy. And uh, currently we have... Um, 18 um, first-year students in that program and nine second-year students. Um, then the, the program that, that Adam and I share directly uh, is the, the general automotive program. And there are two, potentially three tracks of students in that group. Um, we, we have students that are coming to us to become professional technicians, um, and there's there's probably... 20 to 25 of those students. Uh, we have students then that are selecting our uh, motorsport training program, and, and there's another 25 to 30 students uh, in that group. Um, and then we, we have some part-time students. We have students that, that are selecting individual classes, you know, whether it's to supplement what, what knowledge they want or whether it's a, a schedule issue that they can't be here full-time. Um, so across the board, um, I had to fill out some paperwork the other day to get every single student registered to use a piece of equipment, and I think there were 104 individual names um, of current students that we have. So across the, the Early Career College Academy, um, our full-time students, our part-time students, that, that's the number that, that we have well, I guess it was a Monday when I did that report. So, um, but then we also have, as you saw, we've got collision repair, um, and we also have our Ford-specific uh, program, uh, and then the other end of our parking lot is our diesel power or heavy equipment program. So, uh, as I said, it depends on when you count and, and who you want to count. Yeah, and, and that's one thing I do want to mention. I mean, obviously you guys are in the automotive 
side of it and don't deal directly with the Ford Asset students. But I mean, you've got a Ford Asset program that I believe has two full-time instructors also. You've got a body shop and collision program uh, with a full-time instructor. And then and then the uh, heavy equipment diesel program is. So a- as a student comes to Parkland and, and has the skill set of or the interest of being a repair technician, whether it be automotive, diesel or, or body shop, your facility offers a wide range of, of career tracks that they can follow to adapt the skill set that they have and, and be productive, you know, productive citizens. I, so yeah, it's, that's great. Now, one thing I want to talk about uh, that you mentioned that, and I've been to a lot of community colleges over the country, and I don't know of one in Missouri, but as far as in Illinois, I think you're the only program that also includes a motorsports track is is that correct i believe so um i think in illinois we are the only ones uh, there's only a, a handful even across the country that are doing things similar to what we do yeah let's let's briefly talk about that a little bit and then i definitely want to talk about the hot rodders of tomorrow the way you guys and that's actually how we first met uh, the hot rodders of tomorrow uh, out at sema you guys were in competition out there so going back to the motorsports uh, the racing side of, of Parkland College. You showed us a couple, I think you had four cars in uh, different stages of uh, some ready to roll on the track, some ready to motocross or autocross. So give us a brief idea of what that program is. Uh, so the motorsport program in different forms has been around for a number of years. Um, what kind of started as a club and an activity to get some students extra time Working on cars and going to the racetrack outside of class has morphed into a program and a, a degree concentration. Um, and so a lot of that is born out of John and I's passion to go racing and, and to work on cars and build cars. Um, and where we're at now is that a student can take um, our program, still get all the normal pillars of ASC um, in terms of the different categories and systems on cars, but also get some extra skills for the race industry or the aftermarket industry. And we do that with three primary classes, um, and that's where all those cars you saw, um, they get to work on those. We've got a 1980 Malibu that we drag race. We've got a 1988 Mustang GT that's <clears throat> still in the process of being built, uh, but it's going to be a drag race car. We've got a 94 Mustang GT that we autocross, um, a 1990 Civic that we autocross, um, and then we've even got a few others kind of on the back burner. We've dealt with dirt track racing in the past, um, but it kind of is uh, just as student interest is there, um, that focus tends to shift, and right now we're kind of in, in an off time with that car. Okay. Well, yeah, and the great thing is these students not only work on the car, but correct me if I'm wrong, they have opportunity to drive the car occasionally. They do. They do. Um, so we've got some basic criteria in terms of commitment. Um, the student has to work on the car and crew the car at at least one event before they have that opportunity to drive, and then they've got to stand up and withhold, you know, a GPA average and some other requirements to maintain that privilege. So, wow. That's, uh, you know, and that, that to me, uh, you're offering something there that uh, a lot of schools, like I said, don't offer for that student that uh, likes working on cars but really doesn't see themselves in the shop every day uh, working with customer cars. You know, that, that, that program is unique. Now, Hot Rodders of Tomorrow. You know, like I mentioned, I was out at SEMA. You guys had two teams 
uh, I believe, at SEMA competing in the Hot Rodders of Tomorrow competition. So for our listeners that aren't familiar with that, someone tell us what what Hot Rodders of Tomorrow is. Well, um, Hot Rodders of Tomorrow started about in 2008, 2007, uh, as we know it today. It's been around for a little bit longer than that, but they kind of changed hands, changed names, and their goal is to, um, as they've built up over the years, is to make this a national competition where they go to car shows, um, they go to big events at schools and, and um, expos, and they host the opportunity for high schoolers only to compete on a team of five to tear down and reassemble to factory specifications of a small block Chevy 350. Uh, and it's a timed event where um, you, you need to compete and, and beat a time of 33 minutes, uh, including penalties, and these penalties are assessed based on um, mistakes you make, uh, and they vary from a minor infraction of 30 seconds to more of a major infraction of 15 minutes. Um, so those obviously can, can hurt you and penalize you as you uh, build this engine. Um, the goal, again, is to beat that 33 minutes, and if you do, you earn an opportunity to go to the SEMA show in Las Vegas and compete on a national stage, um, which Adam and I have been very fortunate uh, the first two years that we've been a part of it. Both of uh, the first team earned a spot in Vegas, and now this past season we had two teams that earned two spots in Vegas. Um, we're currently working on two more teams. We're getting them ready. In fact, we're leaving this weekend for our first event in Schaumburg, uh, Illinois, and um, we'll try to compete. And, and uh, It's more of a get-your-feet-kind-of-wet thing at this point. They're still pretty green, but it's a good opportunity for them to see what the competition looks like and try to get some of the jitters out. Um, so, yeah, this is an amazing opportunity for these kids to get involved and and really showcase on a national level. And Howard tomorrow done an amazing job of marketing themselves and, and keeping other schools engaged and getting more and more schools engaged. And they continue to grow. In fact, now they have a junior drag racing um, series where they not only race uh, drag cars, but they also have the opportunity for, for little, little kids, little younger, much younger kids um, to work on these single-cylinder engines and take them apart and rebuild them just as if they uh, were doing the big block Chevy 350. So it's cool. Now they're also talking about potential for having college students get involved. So they're expanding and, and constantly thinking about how they can grow. And um, Rodney Bingham, the president of Hot Rodders Tomorrow, is very innovative and he's thinking ahead. And we're, Adam and I are very happy to work with him. And, um, in May, at, uh, May, May 5th, here in Champaign, Illinois, uh, Parkland College is hosting a national qualifying event for Hot Riders of Tomorrow. So we're very fortunate, again, to work with Rodney and Hot Riders of Tomorrow, and they're going to come down and put on a show, and obviously our two teams will be involved in that. So we're very excited about that. Wow. How does a guy get a ticket to that? It's free. Show up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that was something that drawed me to the booth, the Hot Rodders of Tomorrow booth was, you know, here's these 
young people, and at the time I didn't realize that they were high school students uh, until right. I talked to you guys that were competing, and they were they are serious. When they get into the competition area, uh, you, you can see their expressions on the, those young people's faces change, and and it's it's inspiring to see. Uh, I think I had an article we talked about it, but I think I used the words poetry with wrenches, and and it is. Uh, I mean, they know what each one is doing and, and what the next step is. And it's just impressive. So these are high school students. Do they have to come try out or, uh, you know, how, how's the process? How do they get on the team? Well, at this point, um, Adam and I are looking for, we, we first asked for a show of hands who's interested um, you know, and initially everybody in the classroom puts their hand up, and then we say, okay, this is what you was involved. The time involvement is, is, is not steep, but it's certainly demanding. We practice um, one to two, maybe even three times a week, depending on the time of the year and what we're getting ready for. Right now we're just practicing uh, two nights a week, a Sunday and a Monday at 7 o'clock. But for a lot of the students that we have, uh, the dual credit program in Parkland, um, these students drive maybe upwards of 40 minutes to get here. Some of them do. Some are local, <laughs> and some are much further away. So it's a, it's a pretty good time commitment. And, and Adam and I, we're not we're not taking any kind of reimbursement for this. So it's our our time and, and, and effort to come in on a Sunday or Monday away from our families to be a part of this. Um, so there is a time commitment. There is a Adam and I do expect that if you're going to be on the team, that you are committed and. You know, your job, if you have one, or your family, you're going to have to put that aside for a couple hours each week, and are you okay doing that? Um, and are you willing to work in a team environment? Are you willing to be instructed and accept criticism? And, and um, those are kind of the attributes that we're looking for, and I think that kind of translates into what a business owner is looking for as well. So um, these, these students that we have with their time commitment really uh, and their attitudes um, kind of secure them a spot in the industry, which that's really what, in the end result, we want these kids to get jobs and be passionate about what they're doing. So that's what excites Adam and I. It's great to go to Vegas, but it's probably more rewarding for us to see the product when it's done and, and get them in a, a job placement where they're satisfied, the owner of the business is satisfied with them. Yeah, and that's what I was just sitting here thinking. You know, if I'm a business owner, a shop owner in that area, uh, up in the Champaign-Urbana era, or even Bloomington and stretching out through Midwest Illinois. Being able to come to your facility, you know, being able to talk to you gentlemen about a student that has come up through the ranks of dual credit and then being on the Hot Rodders of Tomorrow team and then going on into acquiring their two-year degree from Parkland College. Uh, you know, you guys are creating employees that I believe the industry is looking for. I mean, yeah, I think we agree. Yeah. And that's something that's very near and dear to my heart and, and Technician Academy's heart is is the industry and, you know, filling the void with technicians that, uh, you know, we've heard multiple times over the last few years about the shortage of technicians. And just, uh, you know, give me your ideas on how important a truly trained technician is, one that leaves your facility. And, and the reason why I say that, because I think, when they leave your facility, they are trained and ready. What value do they bring to a shop owner? Well, one of the things that I want to point out is that, um, you know, the, the facility and the training program and these activities that, that we have obviously engaged in, um, th this wasn't just our idea. Um, 
the reason that we're doing some pretty amazing things is because we've got great business partners. Um, we we have an active advisory board. Um, local employers that, that want to participate at that level come in to see us at least twice a year. We have other opportunities where they're welcome to come in. Um, David has put together every year a, an annual kind of Thanksgiving breakfast, and, and so employers come in. Um, Adam has been instrumental in putting together some Wednesday evening activities where the students uh, play video games, and, and we have um, dinner for them, and, and employers come in and talk. Uh, employers bring product in. And so, um, again, I, one of the cornerstones of what we do it involves the industry. And so the, the other piece that we have done over the years is to help industry understand that if they want to, if they want to be a part of this product that, that we're creating, they've got to be there at the beginning. Um, and so we, we encourage employers to take a student as soon as they possibly can. Um, we understand that that student is going to be terribly green from a technical standpoint, but uh, we really believe in, in the idea of grow your own. Um, you need to bring this this excited young person into your business, show them how your business works, uh, and bring them into being part of your culture, uh, and the technical stuff will come. And so uh, we, we know that the, the students we have in the program that are out working, um, holy cow, the, the labs that they do and the activities that they do just make so much more sense. Um, you know, we, we do unfortunately run into some students that we, we've got that, you know, struggle with some of these advanced technical skills because they have not been out working. So uh, our students, uh, the ones that are thriving, the ones that are doing well, that they've engaged. Uh, we get students that get hired their freshman year. Um, we got students in the dual credit program that get hired in the summer between their junior and senior year. Um, and I think that, that goes back to our commitment to make sure we're, we're putting the skills out there that need to be taught. Um, but it, it's that relationship piece. Um, and so... I mean, anytime a new business calls myself or, or Adam and says, hey, I'm looking for somebody, we, we bring them back around to understand um, you know, the, the, the comment that I get typically is from a business that says, send me your best sophomore that's getting ready to graduate. Well, that sophomore has been working for probably a year or more already somewhere else. Um, and so we really try to work with businesses. And I know that's uncomfortable. Um, and we, we help them understand and, and reassure them that, that – um, that this is a decent way to go. It's a, it's a good way to go. Um, and so that, that's, that's kind of philosophy that we have. That's what's working for us. Um, and, and we're proud of that, obviously. So. Yeah, and that's uh, and the grow your own idea is, it, I believe, is uh, very beneficial to a shop. Uh, you know, and that was one thing that I noticed when I had your students in class. There were several of them that were working at, repair facilities and and i would say as far as percentage wise compared to all the other colleges i've been to uh, you had the highest percentage of students that were out in the industry working so yeah i mean you're definitely showing the value that that student can bring to to an employer i commend you guys on that where do you i mean we talk about technicians and the shortage of technicians i personally don't believe there's a shortage of people able to turn a wrench but uh you know the qualified technician i think there is a shortage any opinions on that i think from a business perspective um i can speak to a local uh business in park hill who i used to work for um prior to uh switching careers entirely to teaching um they're still struggling day-to-day operations are slow 
Um, if you look at the bottom line from a manager's perspective who I've got a pretty decent relationship with, we constantly talk and go back and forth on this, and he's down $15,000 from where he was last year on his bottom line. So, and the service advisor, I, I, my old service advisor, she, she's down 10000 So why, why are these uh, down? Why are these two individuals bottom line down? And they really say that they're lacking the knowledge and, and training in the shop and, and, and um, the technicians right now in the shop are fairly green and they need to be brought up. And um, that older skilled technicians either moved on or uh, has retired or decided at a younger point in their career, like myself, that maybe working on wrenches until they're 65 or on cars until they're 65 is maybe not for them. Um, I would say that <clears throat> they are struggling to find good technicians, but there's so many factors that go into finding good technicians, and I hate to put too much blame on them, but the fact that they don't pay as well as I think they should is probably a lot to do with finding and keeping um, qualified technicians, and that's maybe being blunt, and, uh, but no mean, by no means mean, uh, disrespectful to Sullivan Park Hill, just the industry as a whole, I understand they're trying to you know manage a bottom line and keep the lights on. Um, I guess from my perspective, they, they are struggling. Yeah, and, and I that's very true, David. I, I see that all across the industry, uh, not just in, in your area. So, you know, we, we I can clearly see, and I think our listeners can clearly hear, what you, what Parkland College and, and the facility and, and the instructors are doing to help in solving the problem of, of the shortage of technicians. What can industry, and when I say industry, I'm not talking about just the local shops. I, I'm... I'm going to reach out to the next level. When I say industry, I'm talking about distribution and aftermarket uh, manufacturers. Are there some things, or, or are you currently working with some of these that can help you, as an educator, bring more technicians into the industry? I, I think it's it's about uh, understanding the the culture of employees that you have, and, and understanding the the culture of the next generation of employees that you have, and. And we've talked about this. We can blame generational things, millennials, snowflakes, whatever you want to call the next group of of young people. And um, the reality is that, you know, every generation has different aspirations and, and, you know, priorities and and what they think is important. And and certainly, you know, we've talked about the idea that pay is is important. Um, But we've had some students that that also have expressed some concern about the workload, that uh, they, they don't want to work six days a week. Um, and that, that's kind of contrary to probably most of the, you know, managers that are out there. They probably came from a, a generation of, you know, working is a privilege and you should want to work 70 hours a week. And, um, and I think some of our young people today are taking a little different look at that, that they, they want to enjoy life at, at a different pace. They, they want to, you know, enjoy nature, if you will. You know, I want to be able to go fishing on Saturday afternoon rather than you know, turning wrenches, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, I think it's holistic. We, we, have to, we have to look at the entire situation. We have to help employers understand. Um, but the same kind of – the other side of that is that employers could help students understand as well, you know. Uh, the, the bottom line, you know, financially, maybe that speaks to a student or what, what's the, what are the other benefits to working here. It's really hard to help an 18-year-old young person understand the, you know, um, contribution match of a 401K. But uh, to talk about that and repeatedly talk about that, uh, what other culture activities do, does your business have? 
um, you know, the group of people that are involved in some other kinds of activities, uh, they, they play in sports or they're involved, as I said, in recreational things. Um, and I think the, the role that, that Parkland College can play in that is similar to some of the things we've been doing, you know, get the employers to come to us. Um, a lot of employers, you know, think, oh, that, you know, these people are just going to show up at the door. Um, I think there's too many options for a skilled 18, 19, 20-year-old person right now. They've got a ton of options to, to go work. Um, and so if, if you really want an automotive technician, we're here. You need to come knock on the door. Let's, let's get you an audience in front of these students. Let's talk about what you do. Um, your, your presentation's got to be ready, though, for this you know, varied um, culture of, of young people. Um, and, and we can have conversations beforehand to help you sort through that. Um, but I think if you look at the variety of things we do as a college in our program, um, we've diversified what we do. We, we don't just offer one product. And, and I think an employer's got to think about it from that standpoint as well. Um, and so uh, that, that's kind of, I guess, my two cents. Come, come be a part of this, partner with us, and, and I think we can get someone. That's very well said. And I think uh, we discussed this, you know, uh, and, I, and I hear it from all over the country that manufacturing is, is stealing automotive students. And when I say stealing, they're hiring them. An automotive student, and I definitely want all of you to, to voice on this, but an automotive student has a certain skill set that can transfer into many different uh, industries. And I recently had the privilege of, of watching a keynote speech, and the gentleman talked about showing these young people a, a career path. What kind of career paths can be within just the automotive industry. And I think uh, Adam may have mentioned it when I was up there about how these students have this skill set that when they leave your facility, they're able to adapt to many different industries if they don't find what they want within the automotive industry. What, uh, what's your guys' opinion on that? I mean, you're, you're providing a skill set, an advanced training on a skill set that they probably already have an idea with. Yeah, I think what someone learns as they go through all the foundational things with automotive, you know, learning electronics, learning hydraulics, you know, brake system, and then just general practices with tools, you know, getting acquainted with tools, I mean, it certainly translates well to a lot of different industries. You know, if you've got that ability to spot a problem, troubleshoot it, um, repair it and verify that it's repaired, I mean, if you can work through that process, I just think there's a huge line of opportunity. Um, locally for us, a lot of manufacturing want those people to help fix machines, um, automated machines. And so we see that a lot, that students work in a shop for a while and for whatever reason they find it's not for them or they don't see that career advancement kind of path that was mentioned. Um, they'll go to these manufacturers and unfortunately for the automotive shops and the dealers, those manufacturers are pretty competitive with wages and with benefits. Um, so I think as John spoke about, that's and Dave, that's one of our challenges is pay is one thing, right, and then hours and consistency of hours. Um, the whole flat rate system certainly makes that a challenge for somebody to see um, kind of an upward trend or see, you know, if I'm doing this for 10 years, what's at the end of that 10 years? Um, whereas maybe in manufacturing, there's a clear site toward, you know, I can work on the machine and then I can be a supervisor and I can be a manager um, that path maybe in those corporate kind of environments is more clear. Um, so it's, it's definitely a challenge, um, but I think for people 
going through technical programs, it's an upside, and I think they need to play that to their advantage. I think that the longer we see technicians leave to go to those opportunities, I think the more and more pressure we'll see on businesses to try to compete, to, again, author the culture. Um, you know, pay is one element, as we talked about. I think John had a really good point that the culture is important, that especially these younger generations want to see a culture. They want to feel valued at the workplace, not be a number who is turning time to pay some bills. Um, they want to be included. They want to be part of the solution. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the struggles with a lot of the models that shops run at this point is that a tech is very much treated as kind of an independent contractor. You're just there. You're supposed to carry out this job, and that's what you're there for. Um, so I think if, when we can find solutions for that, I think that would be a, a huge step towards keeping people and keep people excited about working on cars. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, Adam. John, Dave, any ideas on that? I think that um, our welding instructor has often said that we're the best recruiting marketing um, group for him on campus. Uh, you know, a young person, especially with our dual credit program, they're, they're 16, 17 years old. They're, they're excited about getting to drive and, and some of them, you know, getting their own car or truck. Um, and, and going into an automotive program, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward for them. They're excited about that. Um, but, you know, as they grow and, and they see other opportunities, uh, I think it's natural that, that people are are going to, you know, look for something that fits them better. I mean, the three of us sitting here at the table, we, we, we've all changed our jobs. We're not doing the same thing that we were doing. Um, and, and so the same kind of thing, I think, in the industry that an employer um, has to realize that in order to keep, you know, employees, they, they've got to have a pretty diverse strategy because what speaks to one person doesn't speak to the next. And, and, and I realize that that's got to be terribly painful and, and hard um, but um, if they're going to compete, uh, just like just like any industry in, in our you know country, uh, if you're going to compete, you've got to continue to adapt and come up with new strategies, and um, and the market will bear or the market will demand, whichever way you want to look at that. Um, you know, depending on how you want to compete to be successful. And so, uh, I think those businesses that are being innovative about recruiting new employees and and finding a way to speak to them, to, to keep them as an employee, I, I think they're, they're the ones that are going to you know, obviously clear that bottom line. And uh, you know, David talked about our local employer that, that he worked with. Um, the, the name of that business is also the name on our building. Um, that, that organization is clearly committed to being a part of this process. Um, and, and right now, obviously, they're in a you know, building stage. You know, if this was a sports team, this is a good, we got three or four years of building, right? We're going to build our team, and um, and so I, I definitely applaud uh, the Park Hill organization for being a part of what we're doing, um, and and we've you know uh, we're going to continue to work through that with them. So. Well, yeah, and that was one something that I I asked you, gentlemen, when we we were there. The college is Parkland, but the building is is Park Hill, and then you give me the background, and that's the type of involvement that I think a lot of schools, you guys have been proactive about, but a lot of schools need to think about going out in the community and and getting those advisory board members and, and get that interaction between the school and employers. And I think you mentioned something there, John, that I want to come back to is the supply and demand. The country was established on supply and demand. And Adam mentioned it briefly too, you know, as these students 
if they move into manufacturing or, or welding career or uh, a machining career and they don't stay in the automotive industry, uh, that can only lead to a low supply of technicians that the industry needs. And, and the industry as a whole needs to realize that and, and look at what these other careers are providing. You know, a career path. And I, I hear that term repeatedly across the industry. We need to show these young people a career path, a future. And and Dave mentioned it back a little bit when he was talking about, you know, as a technician, I myself as a technician, I, I figured out that, you know, I don't didn't want to be working in the bay when I was 60, 65 years old. And get these young people to realize that there are other careers that they can go into still within the automotive industry still filling voids that they can build off of the education they get there at Parkland. So, gentlemen, I mean, we've talked quite a bit. I know you've all got students that you're going to have to attend to here shortly. I've got a few more things I'd, I'd like to talk about. And one is, if you had the group of high school students, not just the ones that's interested in dual credit for the automotive program, but if you had to present in front of the entire high school, what would you tell them? I mean, what would be your words of wisdom to these about the industry and about their future? One of the strategies that we've taken uh, when we talk to interested young people um, is this idea that I like to talk about the, the path of the repair order. And so I've got a PowerPoint slide that, that oftentimes we use, and, and we'll, we'll put the technician in the middle of that. And then we talk about the, let's let's do a simple maintenance on a vehicle and we're doing an oil change. And um, that technician's probably not going to talk to the customer, so we've got a service rider involved. Uh, that technician's going to need parts, so he's got to go to the parts department. Uh, the technician needs some tools, so he's probably had to buy those tools from somebody. Um, the technician needs some service specifications, so somebody had to write the service manual. Um, and we, we build this matrix, basically, of all these different jobs that, that all key into the fact that somebody needed their vehicles oil changed. And, and all of a sudden, I think that, that we expose the idea that the person turning wrenches is one of, you know, minimum of maybe three or four people involved to get your oil changed to, you know, depending on how complex the repair is, you know, if we've got to get some field service people involved and there's an insurance company involved, you know, there could be 10 or 20 people um, potentially involved in that, and those are all viable jobs. Um, and, and that's just one piece of the industry. We can take that same model and duplicate it for collision repair. Um, you, we take the same model and go, this is how the photocopier industry works as well, right? Um, and so maybe maybe your mechanical aptitude isn't there that, that you know, your hands don't work like you know the person sitting next to you. But if you're still passionate about cars, cars get you excited, um, you know, there's a career for you. And, and, and I think, again, the, the, the path that, that we have developed and, uh, and so on allows some of that diversity to happen. Um, we, we occasionally get a student to come to us and go, I want to work on motorcycles. Well, I don't have a motorcycle-specific path, but we do have all of the very similar things, and we have students that go work at local motorcycle repair facilities. So, um, again, I think the, the time and energy that, that Adam and I and, and the others have put into the program over the years um, really builds on the, you know, these foundational pieces that, um, that that help people get where they want to go. So that's the attitude that I take. Um, that's the, the path that, that I take when I talk to young people. I don't know if Adam or David, when 
somebody comes to you, is there a twist to that that you guys have? Or? Uh, my most recent twist, uh, I've done some reading about generational changes and kind of trying to understand, you know, it's, we're in the classroom with these young people every day, you know, trying to get on their level or find the way in is always a key, I think, to being successful. Um, and something that I discovered through reading a handful of articles is that some research is showing that they're more concerned about making an impact and, and helping people um, maybe more than compensation. And so I try to take that angle that, you know, by working on cars, you're helping someone, that all these people need their car. They needed to get to work. They needed to take their kids to school. Um, and so it's very much a, a vital tool for them in daily life. And when it breaks, they need to fix. They need to fix quickly um, without, you know, costing a ton of money and having it done accurately. And so that's a process that they can be involved in and helping, you know, that when they fix somebody's car, it's not just a transaction of money, you know, they're helping someone. Um, and I think for some people that's a, a big key um, for, again, just the cultural change that they want to see that impact and feel like they're contributing. And it's a healthy idea, right? I think it's important for us all to think about that of, you know, what does this really do? I think there's more fulfillment on that side. Um, than just to give them salary numbers or give them that financial opportunity carrot. Yeah, that uh, that creating value and and I uh, talking to different college advisors that have been fortunate to that's something that is uh, common between every uh, industry, whether it be nursing or uh, business. The young people today want to be able to contribute a value. They want to be valued and they want to be able to contribute value to the to the industry or to the economy or to the world so i mean you guys are doing so much stuff i mean it, it is amazing it's great to see a facility like yours uh first off top-notch facility as far as equipment and you know a chassis dyno an engine dyno just the value that the facility itself brings and then the programs that you're you're providing to the to the young people in that area uh one thing i do want to go back and it just come to me uh, how does people get involved with the hot rodders of tomorrow Dave I mean as far as the young people and the how can our listeners that are involved in the industry how can they become a part of hot rodders of tomorrow and, and whether it be financial or physically well I think financially um, as a, I'm speaking for Rodney Bingham the president of hot rodders of tomorrow but they use a lot of uh, sponsorship from, say, Edelbrock or Taylor Cables or Headman Headers. So they use those big names um, to help sponsor their events across the nation. Um, these events are free for all the participating schools, the high schools that are involved. So um, Parkland College did not pay an entry fee, per se, to go to these events. Um, it's all helped through that sponsorship money. Um now, if you're talking about more of a local level, if you're talking about how Adam and I have to, there are still travel expenses. Uh, obviously, SEMA is not a, a cheap uh, adventure for us. I mean, I think we spend upwards of $15,000 to get everybody out there and back with air travel and hotels. Um, from a local perspective, we're trying to find ways to um, get support from like Sullivan Park Hill or or Peter Alexander, Peter, Peter B's Automotive, or Shield and Paxton. So local automotive dealerships and independent uh, auto repair facilities are helping sponsor us and our travels. Um, they know the importance and value of what we're trying to do for these kids. I mean, they know that 
what we're producing and the product they want. So they're happy to um, donate some kind of uh, financial means for our, our travels and expenses. Um, if you're talking about uh, the industry trying to get involved, again, I think they need to get in contact with Robbie Bingham uh, from High Rise Tomorrow and see what uh, they can do to help um, maybe offset financial costs that, that Rodney incurs each year. Um, to, for, for young people to get involved, I think they need to go to their, their teachers, their, their instructor, instructors at the, the local high schools and, and talk to them about, hey, I heard about this High Rise Tomorrow thing. Um, maybe it's something we should do and see if they can get their instructor to get involved uh, with um, at the local level. Again, Rodney's always looking for more schools to get involved. In fact, you're in the Missouri area, correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in southern Illinois, yes. But I, okay, I so venture over to Missouri Rodney quite a bit. Rodney doesn't have a big, big following down there, and he would, he would be more than happy to reach out to anyone down there in the, in the um, industry, the school, high school level, to get more students, more instructors, more teams put together. So there's my push for Southern Illinois. Um, and again, have them come up to Champaign for an event, which is, what, about three hours for you to come up and, and be a part of something like that. Um, so again, from that perspective, there's also the other side where if you're, you know, you're just excited and, and uh, you're excited about cars, you're excited about engines, there's another opportunity that adults and even young people that have competed on a team can be a part of. They, they always are looking for volunteer judges to be a part of these competitions where um, the competition comes to us locally. I'm going to speak to Parkland's event. They come to us locally here, but it's required of us at Parkland to find eight judges to help sponsor, I'm sorry, help support the event, setting up, taking down, and then also judging the competition, judging the, the, the students taking apart the engine and putting it back together to make sure they do it right. Um, so adults, you know, whether you're 70 years old and you just need something to do on a Saturday or a Sunday, or if you're 18, 19, and you just got off the team. In fact, we've got two of our postseason students that have signed up as judges that will be in Schaumburg uh, as well as the Parkland event in May. So it's kind of another opportunity to stay engaged. And, um, in fact, I'll, I'll throw another out, uh, uh, poke out there. We're looking for judges for our event in May. So, <laughs> and, you know, anyone's welcome to sign up. You go through a background check, and as long as you pass, you can be around these, these young people. You're good to go. That's, that's really the only criteria. Um, having some knowledge of a small box Chevy 350 certainly helps, but um, they do a great job. The event organizer does a great job of teaching you real quick uh, shotgun version of what to look for. So um, just plenty, tons of ways to get involved again and, and be a part of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, Dave. I want to off off air. I want to be sure and get Mr. Bingham's information, contact information, because I want to want to future that discussion with him. So, gentlemen, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff. Your passion, all three of you, clearly have a passion for the industry and have a passion for the the students, and I commend you for that. Uh, you know. It's, today's world uh, you know taking a raw student in high school and and molding them and, and culturing them to become the professional that the industry needs and not just this industry but you know like we spoke you know the skill set that you're providing for them can transfer into many different industries and and 
provide that student a um, a legitimate career and, and future. Is there anything closing thoughts from? Uh, and I encourage all three, or if just one of you want to speak, but uh, closing thoughts from you guys on how this industry, uh, how do you see it shaping up and how this industry can help facilities like yours? Well, um, I think that a lot of what we've got happening with local industry being involved and committed, as John talked about, and local businesses getting involved, um, I think that's the biggest thing. Um, ultimately, everybody's going to take a different path towards what they find to be um, the career they kind of settle into. And, you know, we as an educational institution can give them the skills and, and kind of bring them up into, you know, this is what it looks like, this is what you would be doing. Um, and then we kind of hand them off to the business to continue that. And I suppose we got to maintain a healthy reality that people are going to change their minds. Um, but have some plans like we talked about to try to keep those people and keep those good people in those businesses. I think our specific call right now, you know, if an employer came in and said, what can we do? Certainly the money helps, um, you know, somebody trusting us with their um, funding and, and, you know, believing that that we're going to be physically responsible for that and spend the money well. But the other piece would be instructors. the, the current environment to hire somebody full-time to be a, you know, a tenure-track faculty person at a community college is, is really an interesting track right now. And, and unfortunately, the state of Illinois, you, economically, it's just not feasible. Um, and, and what we've got to do is we've got to help some local businesses understand that, that partnering um, probably goes beyond you know, writing a check to help us you know, pay for our trip with the students to hot routers uh, or help us with our car show or buy a piece of equipment. Um, I'd love to see some local businesses dig a little further about, you know, letting a technician be a part of the education process. Um, I've kind of jokingly talked about the idea that, you know, in education, we have this thing called sabbatical. And the idea is that if you as an educator need to reinvent yourself, that you can go through a process to apply and, and education says, hey, that, that's part of the process. You, you take a break and, and go do something else and come back. And and I, I've jokingly said, you know, maybe maybe part of this, you know, a technician's been in the industry for 5, 10, 15 years and, and maybe they're getting a little burnout. Let's, let's give them a break. Have them come teach for a while um, and, and be a part of that. And, you know, then there's some obvious you know, financial benefits for, for both groups uh, with that. And then, so it may be a pretty radical idea for what we're talking about. But, you know, even David's journey that he had with us was that, you know, the, the local business let him come to Parkland until 9.30 every day to help engage. Um, and, you know, there was obviously some, um, you know, hey, I've got a student here that's doing a really good job I'd like for you to apply. So, you know, there's some internal, you know, marketing of employment opportunities that go on. Um, and, and I, I think it, I think it helps somebody hone their skills, right? You, you get, you get bogged down in the day to day, you know, whether it's a bunch of repetitive uh, recalls that you're doing, or you've got to work on something that you've not been in in a while, or it's a brand new transmission or a brand new, you know, strategy, electronic system, but to come back and focus on your fundamentals. Um, again, I've had several people come in and help us teach you know, basic electrical and, and really to get them to go, hey, I think I know how to use a DVOM. But when you got to stop and help 15 to 20 students use a DVOM, 
there's a little more stuff going on in your brain and you've got to really dig into some strategies. And so I think for the, the right business and the right people, there's some great opportunity to go, you know what, come help us in the morning or come help us in the afternoon or heck let's, let's swing at the fence for this thing and, and, you know, take six months and, 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 and come teach. Um, so yeah, some people kind of look at me funny when I bring that up, but it, it, I think it's going to happen one of these days. <laughs> so I keep hoping and keep bringing it up. And, and, and so that, that's the other piece that I think we, we desperately need help with. If we're going to grow, um, we've got to have more help. Uh, we, we had a re- instructor that retired, Mike Donovan. He was obviously the key piece of the building of, of our program. You know, joined Parkland College in 1988 and it was here for over 30 years. Um, you know, brought myself in, you know, so he's a mentor for me and, and Adam. And, and so um, I, I think that, that we've got some opportunity to continue that. And, and, man, I just can't think of a better way to strengthen that relationship than to get, you know, employees here. Um, what the other piece is that, you know, opportunities for myself and Adam and, and David to be back out in the industry. I mean, we've got to see what's, what's new and, and, and what's exciting and what's that business culture look like and, um, we've got a great piece with our program of work experience is required. And, and so Adam and I, every semester will have you know, a handful of, uh, I think I've got 10 students in internship right now. You know, I'm, I'm getting daily feedback of the things that they're dealing with, uh, both from a technical standpoint. And, and we also ask them to comment on, you know, relationship kinds of things. Um, and so, you know, it's a two way street. We, we've got to see what's going on out there so we can keep our curriculum fresh and, um, and applicable, and, and, and I think there's an opportunity for businesses to come, you know, across the across the street, if you will, and, and, and engage in in education. So, uh, you were talking about that. I'll be honest; that's the first time I've heard that theory, John. But there is so many ideas running around in my head about that. I mean, there that is that's an enlightening thought. I I hope that uh, you know, if just one listener hears that and thinks, you know. I, I'm, I need to implement that. Uh, you know, if we could just get that started, I, I think it's a great idea because technicians we know get burnt out, and being able to offer that, and like you said, I mean, if you've got a room full of, of 20 young people and you're you're required to teach them a DVOM operations, uh, you know, you have to kind of hone up your own skills. So yeah, that's uh, that's a great idea. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I hope you're the uh, the one that we go to in 10 years and say, hey, John, you know, this was has been a great idea. And, and it's really working out. So, yeah, uh, great information. Adam? Yeah. Any any ideas how we can change the future? Um, holistically, all the topics we covered are pieces of the puzzle. Um, I'm honored that I get to be a part of what's happening here at Parkland and what John and you mentioned Mike have really kind of set up um, as the norm. Um, because all these extra activities are, you know, they're additional times, additional effort. Um, but I really got brought into this as that's just the normal thing that you do. Um, and it's exciting and I wouldn't have it any other way. I think that I get more fulfillment out of what we do, um, having invested that time, excited to do that. Great. So, you know, and I've, I've, we we tried to get this podcast together earlier and some technical difficulties happened and and you know and i appreciate first off i appreciate you allowing technician academy to come to your facility uh it was great to be able to be there and, and see the facility and see what you guys are doing i'm excited to see this program in the future and and hope to keep up the contact between us and, and kind of monitor and see 
different things that we can bring to the industry and show the industry that Parkland College is doing. So I, it is with sincere thankfulness that uh, I'm glad you guys took an hour out of your time this morning. I know it's busy. I know how value an hour is, but uh, you know, I just want to commend you. I think you guys are doing an unbelievable job and I wish there were other, and I hope some of our listeners who are at other facilities uh, take just one piece of the information that we've brought and implement it in their program. Uh, you guys are doing some great stuff. So, so thank you all. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for having us on. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll let you guys go. Like I said, I definitely, Dave, I want to get information from you about Rodney Bingham and John, I, I would love to talk more about the sabbatical theory. Uh, maybe if we can get, uh, get some information and some ideas from you, or if you want to possibly put together a, a short article we can publish that on the technician academy site uh, i i think that brings value i think it truly brings value to to the industry and, and adam just the way you interact with your students i want to commend you on that so gentlemen i appreciate your time and and i'm going to let you get back to your students okay Thank all you. right thanks thanks gentlemen thanks for listening to this episode of technician academy's podcast series Brought to you by Premium Guard Filters and Extend Performance. Be sure to rate us on iTunes or Google Play and visit us online at technician.academy. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Please help us spread our Respect is Learn message by liking and sharing our content on your social media pages. Technician.academy, where respect is learned.